بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يحده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار uh, So we continue today uh, with this uh, small treatise an explanation of the meaning of لا إله إلا الله تفسير Kalimat la ilaha illallah. And in the previous lesson, we established that the thing that the people of shirk, that they revolve around, is the issue of shafa'ah, the issue of intercession. And we finished in the previous lesson with some excellent speech of uh, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullahu ta'ala and he gave an explanation of the verse in uh, Surah Al-Saba' I believe and in this Surah or in this in the ayah in this Surah Allah Zawajal he mentions um, or in the ayah as it reads قُلْ اِدْعُوا الَّذِينَ زَعَمْتُمْ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ لا يملكون مثقال ذرة في السماوات ولا في الأرض. So Allah Zawajal, He says, Say, O Muhammad, call upon those whom you claim besides Allah. Call upon them. They do not own even an atom's weight in the heavens nor in the earth. وما لهم فيهما من شرك. Nor do they have any share therein. وَمَا لَهُ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ ظَهِيرٌ Nor does he, meaning Allah, have any aider or supporter from them. وَلَا تَنْفَعُ الشَّفَاعَةُ إِلَّا إِنْ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا لِمَنْ أَذِنَ And intercession does not avail or benefit with him except for the one with whom, for whom he gives permission. So we said that this ayah is a really crucial ayah to understand in the whole subject of Tawheed. And whoever understands this ayah in accordance with what Ibn al-Qayyim explained, he will understand a great deal about the reality of Tawheed. So Ibn al-Qayyim, he explained that in this ayah, Allah Azawajal has cut off all of the routes and the avenues to shirk. And there are four routes and avenues to shirk. There are four justifications, four angles by which a person justifies his shirk. And each of these four routes, Allah has, has cut them off in this ayah. So if we look at this ayah, the first route, or at the beginning Allah he says, say, call upon those whom you claim. A person makes dua, he calls upon someone else because of his belief that that person or that thing will benefit him. 
So the issue revolves around benefit. and nafa a benefit. And the reason why a person might believe someone can benefit him is because or there might be four different reasons. There are four different reasons why a person might believe that someone can benefit him. And all of those four reasons are mentioned in this ayah. So the first reason is that you believe someone is a malik. A malik, that he is the owner over something and hence he can benefit you. Right, so I gave the parable, I gave the example in the previous lesson that if we just uh, uh, convey these concepts in a, in a simple uh, way, we say that someone is the owner of a farm or some you know, trees uh, in which apples and oranges and you know, things like this which they grow, he is the owner. He is the outright owner. Right, so you believe that because of his ownership, therefore you can... Uh, go to him and ask him to give you something from what he owns. Right? He can benefit you. You believe that because of his ownership, he can benefit you. So in the first part of the verse, Allah he negated that anyone owns anything. Not even the atom's weight. So no one from his creation owns even an atom's weight. So this now is denied. This reason, this justification... For calling upon others, worshipping others, is is cut off. Right? So, uh, this, this is the first step that is mentioned in the ayah. The second step is that he then said, وَمَا لَهُمْ فِيهِمَا مِنْ شِرْكِ Meaning that those whom you claim, they don't have any share, they don't share anything. And this is the second level now. That if you are not the outright owner of something, You could be a partial owner of something. You could share in the ownership of something. And so therefore it would be justified if someone shares in the ownership that you go and you ask him because you believe that he has the power to benefit you and you know because of his shared ownership. And like in the example I mentioned that there might be two owners of the of these trees and of these fruits. You know one might be 60% ownership, the other might have 40% ownership. So you believe that this person, because of his shared ownership, he can therefore benefit you if you were to go and ask him. So this as well, Allah has negated this as well. Because there is no one who is a partner to Allah. There is no one who shares with Allah in owning even an atom's weight. No one is a shared owner with Allah in his dominion, in his mulk, in his creation. So this Allah Zawajal, he negated because he said, وَمَا لَهُمْ فِيهِمَا مِنْ شِرْكِ That they don't have any share in what is, what is within them, the heavens and the earth. So this is the second level now, which is negated. There is no Malik, and there is no Sharik with Allah. There is no Sharik with Allah. Then the third level, which is that if ownership is completely denied, complete ownership or partial ownership, then maybe there is an aider to Allah. One who aids Allah. Allah is in need of one who aids him and supports him in his creation, in the running of his creation. And that's what the next part of the verse it denied. Uh, Allah Zawajal, he said, وَمَا لَهُ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ ظَهِيرٌ He does not have from them, from amongst them, any ظَهِيرٌ. ظَهِيرٌ meaning مُعِينٌ One who... Uh, 
one who supports Allah, one who aids and helps Allah in the running of his creation. So maybe because someone is an aider and a supporter and a helper, maybe you believe that he has some benefit for you and therefore you go to him and you you know you, you invoke him, you ask him, you solicit help from him. This is also denied this is also denied in the ayah and this is the third level. So we have Malik, then we have Sharik, then we have a Zahir or a Mu'een, another another word, similar word, Mu'een, one who helps and aids. This then leads to the fourth level that Allah he, he denied and negated, which is the issue of Shafa'ah. And the issue of Shafa'ah intercession is that you go to someone whom you believe has a status and a position with the owner or the creator or the provider. And you believe that because of his position and his status, if you ask him, he will then argue on your behalf. He will then request on your behalf. He will intercede on your behalf because of his position and his, and his status. And so this level has been denied because Allah he said that no one, no intercession will benefit with him except for the one whom he gives permission. Because it is Allah the one who gives permission, it means that no one, no angel, no prophet, no messenger, no one has the right to intercede except after Allah has given him the permission. So as we mentioned in, in, in the last talk, we said that Allah that there are three things. Uh, first of all, Allah has to give his permission. Then he has to be, uh, he has to be uh, pleased he has to be pleased with the one. He has to be pleased with his actions and with his beliefs, the one who is given permission to intercede. And then the third thing, what is Allah pleased with? He is pleased with Tawheed and the Sunnah. Tawheed and Ittiba. So this intercession has conditions. It, it no one can just come and intercede and like you see with the people on the earth, like the kings and their ministers. The minister can just go to the king and enter upon the king. And say the people need such and such. The people need such and such. Maybe he should do such and such. Maybe he should do such and such. Right? So he just comes and he enters upon the king. And he you know, starts giving advice. And starts making requests and so on and so forth. To believe that this is the way how Allah operates in his creation. This is, you know, this, this represents ideas which are, which are disbelief. Because first of all, unlike the kings of the earth. Allah already knows what is happening in his creation. Whereas the kings do not know what is the state of their subjects. Are they living in poverty? Are they living in happiness? Are they living in affluence? Do they have any need? The king doesn't always know all of this. He needs to be informed. And also the king, you know, his ministers can come and they don't need his permission. They will just come to him. Whereas with Allah, no one can come and intercede and start arguing for another person until after Allah has given them permission. Not even the messenger of Allah will intercede until after he has been given permission. So we can see that this fourth level, Allah has also negated this and denied this, that anyone has the automatic guaranteed right to just come and intercede. Rather intercession, all of it belongs to Allah and it has the conditions as we said that Allah must give permission it is only for the one whose speech and action Allah is pleased with. And the only thing Allah is pleased with is Tawheed 
and the Sunnah. These are the three elements that Ibn al-Qayyim mentioned in his speech. So this is what we covered in the previous lesson, and we now come really to the end of the treaties of Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, rahimahullah ta'ala, and uh, the, where, where we finished in the previous lesson is that we established the reality of what the messengers came to call to. Right in light of all of the previous discussions, we said that they came to call to the uluhiyah of Allah Azawajal, that worship is only for Allah, and we mentioned also all of the false understandings of Tawheed. We mentioned seven seven of them, the incorrect understandings of Tawheed, Tawheed of the Jahmiya, Tawheed of the philosophers, Tawheed of the uh, Sufiya, Tawheed of the grave worshippers, Tawheed of the Jabariya. We mentioned all of those false understandings. So we came to the correct understanding of what Tawheed is. It is to make your worship only for Allah Azza wa Jal. So now we come to the end of the treaties and now we come to the, the, the arguments, the false arguments which are brought by those people who oppose the messengers and who worship others besides Allah because they are trying to solicit intercession from them, shafa'a from them. So here Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, وَتَمَامْ هَذَا أَن تَعْرِفْ أَنَّ الْمُشْرِكِينَ الَّذِينَ قَاتَلَهُمْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ وسلم, كَانُوا يَدْعُونَ الصَّالِحِينَ مِثْلَ الْمَلَائِكَةِ وَعِيسَى وَأُمَّهُ وَعُزَيْرًا وَغَيْرَهُمْ مِنَ الْأَوْلِيَاءِ فَكَفَرُوا بِهَذَا مَعَ إِقْرَارِهِمْ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ سُبْحَانَهُ هُوَ الْخَالِقَ الرَّازِقَ الْمُدَبِّرِ He says that the completion of this, the perfection in understanding all of this, is that you come to know, that you realize, that you know, that those whom the Messenger of Allah وسلم, whom he fought against him, obviously because they fought him first, so those whom you know, whose aggression he repelled, they used to call upon the righteous people. They used to call upon the righteous people. They used to call upon the angels. They used to call upon Isa alayhi salam. They used to call upon Uzair. They used to call upon the mother of Isa alayhi salam and Uzair. And they used to call upon others from the awliya. They used to make dua to them. These were the people to whom the messenger, you know, he conveyed his message. They fought him and he repelled their aggression. So they, because they did the, because they performed these deeds of calling upon others besides Allah, they became disbelievers. They were disbelievers because of this. Despite the fact that they believed at the same time that only Allah is the creator, only Allah is the provider, only Allah is the regulator and the controller of everything. So here Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, he explains in the footnote, he says, that if you look at the very first polytheists, the very first mushriks, you see that they weren't all worshippers of idols. They weren't just worshipping pieces of wood or pieces of stone, believing you know, that these things will benefit them or these things have control over life and death and benefit and harm. No, not all of them were worshipping idols. Rather we see that the things that they were worshipping, the objects and the beings that they were worshipping, were diverse. There were very many. Amongst them were those who were worshipping idols. Stones, statues, representations, figures. Amongst them were those who were worshipping the angels. 
Amongst them were those who were worshipping the prophets. Amongst them were those who were worshipping righteous people. Righteous, pious people whom they believed have a position and a status with Allah. So all of them, the messenger of Allah he fought them all, because obviously they fought him first. So he repelled their aggression. And he did not distinguish between any one of them. He did not say, for example, well, you people are worshipping idols and stones, and this is shirk, and so therefore I will fight you if you are aggressive towards me. And as for you people, because you are attached to the prophets and to the righteous, I will leave you people, because you are just simply asking for intercession with Allah. And I will leave you people. If you look at the biography of the Messenger of Allah, you know that this is false. And you know that the verses of the Qur'an, they clearly falsify this claim and this understanding. And so we see that the Messenger of Allah, he did not distinguish between any of these categories of people. And so we see that this argument that is used by those grave worshippers today who say that shirk is only to worship idols. Shirk is only to worship statues. And as for what we do when we seek nearness to Allah and they give it these different names and labels, tawassal to Allah, wasila to Allah, respecting the wali and so on and so forth, loving the... It's clothed with all of these different labels and slogans. When we look at the essence of what they are doing, they are basically calling upon the righteous people, the righteous dead people, the angels of the prophets, and they are making dua to them. So we see that in the Qur'an, there is no distinction between any of these. And there's no distinction in the sunnah with respect to the variety of things which are worshipped besides Allah. Now, if you understand this point, if you understand this point well, Shaykh Islam, he says, إِذَا عَرَفْتَ هَذَا عَرَفْتَ مَعْنَا لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ If you have grasped this point, you have now come to know the, the true, the real meaning of لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ And you will come to know, وَعَرَفْتَ أَنَّ مَنْ نَخَّى نَبِيًّا That if you, you will come to know that anyone who then comes and he seeks aid, he seeks for assistance from a prophet or an angel, or who seeks rescue, he's in a hard, calamitous situation, so he asks for rescue from you know, an angel or a prophet, then this person, he has abandoned Islam. Because, and this, this is the very disbelief, this is the very disbelief, that the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this was the disbelief that those people were upon, who fought against the Messenger of Allah, when he conveyed the message of Tawheed to them. Now, once all of this is clear, the Shaykh then goes on to say that if one of these polytheists, now there are arguments that are going to come to you. Once you are clear about this Tawheed, you have explained it to a person, maybe these people, and a lot of these people are just really, they are blind followers of their scholars, the evil scholars. So these arguments, they will be, they will be expressed by the common person because he's misguided and misled, and by the scholars amongst them. So the Shaykh says, فَإِنْ قَالَ قَائِلٌ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ 
if one of them comes and says, we know that Allah, we know that Allah is al-khaliq, al-raziq, al-mudabbir. We know and we believe and we accept that he is the creator, he is the provider, and he is the controller of everything. We believe this firmly in our hearts. However, those righteous men, those salihun, those righteous men, they are people who are close to Allah. They are muqarrabun. They are they have a status and a position and a neeness to Allah because of their piety, because of their righteousness. And we, we call upon them, we make oaths to them, we go to them and we seek rescue through them. And behind all of this, we simply want to win their intercession, their shafa'ah. We want them to give us direction in our affairs. That's all we want. But we do not believe that they can create, that they can provide, that they control anything. We believe only Allah is the one who does all of these things. So this now is the argument. right? This is the argument that they will come to. They will say, look, we believe in the Tawheed of Allah. We believe that He is the creator, provider, sustainer. There is no creator besides Him. There is no provider besides Him. We don't believe about any prophet, any righteous person, that He creates anything, that He owns anything, that He, that he can benefit or that He can harm or anything like this. We don't believe anything like that at all. Nor do we worship idols. But these are righteous people with a status with Allah. We invoke them. We go to them because we believe that because of their status with Allah, they can argue on our behalf with Allah. They can intercede with Allah on our behalf. They can ask Allah on our behalf. And as a result of this, as a result of this, we will win their intercession. We will win, you know, their intercession. So the Shaykh says, فَقُلْ If someone, if someone comes and makes this argument to you, the Shaykh says, فَقُلْ كَلَامُكَ هَذَا مَذْهَبُ أَبِي جَهْلٍ وَأَمْثَالِهِ Say to him that this speech of yours is the exact same speech as Abu Jahl. Abu Jahl and those like him. Why is this? This is because, and remember when we are saying this statement, we are speaking to their scholars and we are speaking to the ignorant, the general people amongst them. So the answer to this, the Sheikh explains, is that um, that we say that, that Abu Jahl, Abu Jahl and those people, uh, at the very beginning, this was their very belief. This was what Abu Jahl used to believe. Because they used to call upon these deities, Isa, Uzair, the angels, the awliya. What was their intention behind this? The intention is made very clear in the Quran. وَالَّذِينَ اتَّخَذُوا مِن دُونِهِ أَوْلِيَاء مَا نَعْبُدُهُمْ إِلَّا لِيُقَرِّبُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ زُلْفَى Those whom they have taken... As protectors besides him, they say, we do not worship them except that they may bring us closer to Allah. This was one of the justifications. And likewise, وَيَعْبُدُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَضُرُّهُمْ وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ 
وَيَقُولُونَ هَؤُلَاءِ شُفَعَاؤُنَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ They worship besides Allah, that which does not benefit them, that which does not harm them, nor benefit them. And they say, these are our interceders with Allah. These two responses were the responses of people like Abu Jahl and those like him in his time from the Mushrikeen. The argument was that we only approach these deities because we want them to bring us closer to Allah. Because we want them to intercede with Allah on our behalf. And so this argument therefore, when we look at what they were saying, the very first polytheists, and we look at what the contemporaries are saying, we see that it is identical. It is identical. The only difference is, the only difference is, that those people clearly understood the meaning of La ilaha illallah. And they clearly referred to their deities as aliha. They said that yes, these are our aliha. We worship them because of such and such, because we want intercession, because we want nearness to Allah. Whereas the contemporaries, they have used certain labels and terms to disguise the reality. So they say that this is a wali, this is a sayyid, this is a faqir. These are labels that they use. But the reality is the same. What they are doing physically is exactly the same thing. They are both seeking the same thing. And so the Sheikh goes on to explain that um, he goes on to explain that when you reflect upon this very, very well, if you think about this and reflect upon this very well, you will come to know that those who were the unbelievers, the disbelievers, they actually accept for Allah that He is the Rabb. They believe in Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. They believe that He is alone and unique in creating, in giving people their rizq, their sustenance, in regulating the whole of the creation. They believe all of this. Alongside, that, alongside this, they seek help. They seek help, they call for help from Isa salam and the angels and the prophets and the righteous people. And what do they want from these, from, the, from these beings? They want from them that they bring them closer to Allah. This is what they are seeking. And they want from them that they intercede with Allah on their behalf. And at the same time, you will see that some of these people, like for example the Christians, they worship Allah day and night. They, they are devoted to Allah. They worship Allah. They worship Allah. وَعَرَفْتَ أَنَّ مِنَ الْكُفَارِ خُصُوصًا النَّصَارَ مِنْهُمْ مَنْ يَعْبُدُ اللَّهِ اللَّيْلَ وَالنَّهَارِ That amongst them are those, like the Christians for example, they worship Allah night and day. And they show abstention, zuhud, in the dunya. They keep away from the dunya. They give charity. They isolate themselves in monasteries. And they show asceticism, meaning they keep away from the world and they keep away from the people. And they try to be pious and righteous, away from greed, away from lust, away from all of these vices and away from the people. And they're in the monasteries and they spend, you know, Sheikh is alluding to the fact that they spend their lives in monasteries. Right? So this is how they are. Alongside that, alongside all of this, their status and their position with Allah Azawajal is that such a one who does this, Despite his belief in the rububiyah of Allah, despite his righteousness of piety, it is that this person, وَهُوَ مَعَ هَذَا كَافِرٌ عَدُوٌ لِلَّهِ 
muhalladun fin nar bisabab i'tiqadihi fi Isa aw ghayrihi min al-awliya yad'uhu so basically despite all of this his status with Allah is that he is still an unbeliever is an unbeliever with Allah because he and you know he will be in the fire because of his belief with respect to Isa and others from the awliya he calls upon them he sacrifices to them he makes oaths to them right he does all of these actions because he wants them to bring him closer to Allah and to make shafa'a for him so if you understand this now if you understand all of this you will now come to realize the true description of Islam the true Islam that the mess that your prophet Muhammad sallam that he called the people to you will realize the reality of this Islam what is its description and you will come to realize that many of the people have actually turned away from this and you will come to realize the meaning of the statement of the messenger of Allah bada al islam ghariban wa sayaud ghariban kama bada that islam began as something strange and it will return as something strange just as it began this is why to ponder upon this as as the, as the sheikh was on to explain sheikh al fawzan um that at the beginning when the messenger came and he began to make his call to these people these people were worshiping all these different things idols stones trees the elements the sun the moon the angels the prophets the righteous what they were worshiping were varied then he came and he called them to worship only allah alone and they said aja'al al-alihata ilahan wahida has he made all of the deities to be just a single deity really this is a strange and amazing thing this is a strange thing they said and so likewise today when you when you go out and you explain this tawhid to the people in various parts of the muslim world and you explain to them that tawhid is to invoke only allah not abdul qadir al jilani and not so and so tijani and not so and so you know wali or so and so sayyid or so and so faqir that these are all deities besides allah you should call only upon allah they say exactly the same thing this tawhid this islam has become a strange thing and so as the sheikh says sheikh al fawzan he comments upon this and he says that today you see that the correct islam has become gharib it's become strange and there is there is an actual islam al islam as sahih and there is al islam al mudda'a the claimed islam You see that despite the fact that the Muslims are increasing in their millions meaning that there are millions and millions and increasing numbers of Muslims but the Islam that is sahih it is becoming strange and strange it become gharib it become strange and al sheikh goes on to say that if the Muslims were actually adhering to the correct Islam that the sahaba were upon of tawhid of venerating the tawhid and you know worshiping allah through what he actually commanded then you will see that they would not be in the humiliation and the lowness lowliness that you see that they are upon today and this is a sign and indication that they cannot be upon the correct islam al islam as sahih 
And this, when you reflect upon it and you, you know, just uh, put your thoughts across the various parts of the, the Muslim world, from the east, from the far east, right to the west, you know, to, from Morocco on one side, right to the other side, to the far reaches of Indonesia. And you see what the people are steeped in of, of this very thing, of worshipping the saints, worshipping the righteous, worship, invoking them besides Allah, seeking rescue from them. And all of this, the same argument, they will bring us closer to Allah because they have a status. They will intercede with Allah on our behalf. Right? Then you will see that this leads to humiliation and defeat and so on and so forth. So the Shaykh, after making this point, he says, Fallah, Allah, ya ikhwani, bi asli dinikum. He says, So Allah, Allah, my brothers, this is Shaykh Rasulullah Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, hold fast to the foundation of your religion. The first of it to the end of it, the foundation of it and the, the head, the, the ra'as of it, the, the, the chief part of it, is the shahada, Allah ilaha illallah. The chief part of it, the, 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 the essence of it is the testimony that none has the right to be worshipped besides Allah. Know its meaning, love it, love its people, make them to be your brethren, even if they are distant and far away from you. That is to say that you love the people of Tawheed, and you be with them. And disbelieve in all those things which are worshipped besides Allah from the false deities, and dislike them, and dislike them, and dislike those who argue, love them, and argue on, on, on their behalf, or who, did not, or, or who did not declare them to be upon disbelief. So, anyone who comes and says, well, no, this is not upon me to do that, and Allah hasn't asked me to do this, then he has uttered a lie against Allah. Meaning that you are obliged that when you understand that this is the essence of Islam, you are obliged to love the people who are upon this and to free yourself from that which is opposed to this. You can't just say, yes, I understood what Islam is now, and but as for everything else, uh, you know, Allah didn't ask me to do that. This is, this is a lie upon Allah. Because Allah Azawajal, he has, uh, that he has imposed this upon you. And he has... Uh, you know, impose it upon you to disbelieve in the false deities and to free yourself from them and from those who worship them, even if they were from your brethren and your own children, as we see clearly in the, you know, the examples given in the Quran. So the Sheikh says again, "Fallah, Allah ya ikhwani." So Allah, Allah, my brothers, hold fast to that. Perhaps that you might meet your Lord whilst you are not committing shirk. Whilst you are not associating any partners with him at all, O oh Allah, Allahumma tawafana muslimin wa alhikna bisalihin. So he says, O oh Allah, make us die as Muslims and make us to meet with or be with the righteous people. So after emphasizing this, you can see that the Shaykh, how concerned he is for the Ummah and how he is, you know, pleading with the Ummah that, that they hold fast to this, this essence of their religion. He then says that we will finish with some speech, with an ayah in the Qur'an that will explain to you that the disbelief that we see from the people today, meaning their opposition to Islam, is even worse than those very first polytheists to whom the Messenger of Allah that he was sent to. And this will inform you of the seriousness of this issue and how far the people have 
gone astray. He says, we will finish our speech with an ayah which Allah has mentioned in the Quran. ذَكَرَهَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى فِي كِتَابِهِ تُبَيِّنُ لَكَ أَنَّ كُفْرَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ مِنْ أَهْلِ زَمَانِنَا أَعْظَمُ مِنْ كُفْرِ الَّذِينَ قَاتَلَهُمْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ We will finish with a verse that will explain to you that you know, the, the, the disbelief of those polytheists in our time is greater than the disbelief of those whom the messenger of Allah whom he fought against because they fought him. Allah Ta'ala, he said, قَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى وَإِذَا مَسَّكُمُ الضُّرُّ فِي الْبَحْرِ ظَلَّ مَنْ تَدْعُونَ إِلَّا إِيَّاهِ فَإِذَا فَلَمَّا نَجَّاكُمْ إِلَى الْبَرِّ أَعْرَضْتُمْ وَكَانَ الْإِنسَانُ كَفُورًا So Allah Azawajal, he says that when some hardship, when some calamity comes to you and afflicts you, when you are on the sea. Right? So these polytheists used to go out to the sea, onto the sea, for whatever reason, for trade, for fishing, whatever reason. And then the, the ocean would come and the waves would come and would threaten their lives. And they believe that they were about to perish. Allah Zul, he says, then you forget all of those deities that you are calling upon. Meaning that when they're upon the land and they're calling upon their deities, they're invoking them. In this situation, they forget all of their gods. All of those that they are calling upon are completely forgotten. Except for him, except for Allah. Meaning that they only call upon Allah in this situation. Why is this? Why is this? is because they are, they are intelligent. They know that all of their deities, whether they are stones, idols, trees, the sun, the moon, righteous dead people, the angels, the prophets, none of them are able in this situation to help them. Because they know that none of them have control over life or death, or benefit or harm, or to rescue or to protect. They know that, no, they know that this, this is, this, they don't believe this to begin with. They don't believe that any of the angels or the prophets or the, or the, or the righteous or the, any other things that they worship are in a position now, here, right now, to save them and to rescue them. They know this. So therefore they call only upon Allah. It is here where their senses come back to them. Their aql is working correctly. Then Allah, Allah he says, فَلَمَّا نَجَّاكُمْ إِلَى الْبَرْءَ أَعْرَضْتُمْ but when we return you, when we save you and we return you back to the land, you then turn away. Meaning now you start returning and calling back upon, upon those besides Allah. And indeed man is very ungrateful. Is very ungrateful. Now, if you think that this was the situation of those people, you will see that they left all of the Sayyids and the mashayikh, and the fuqara, and the awliya, that they used to believe in. They abandoned all of them. And they would call only upon Allah. They would make istighatha, seeking rescue only with Allah. And this is how they used to be. In terms of hardship, call only upon Allah. In terms of ease, when you're on the land and things are good, things are affluent, there's no danger to your life, 
They are calling upon other deities besides Allah. So this is the condition that Allah he describes what those polytheists used to be upon in the times gone by. But as for today, and the Shaykh is speaking in his time, two, three hundred years ago. As for today, from the mushrikeen of our time, in fact some of them might even claim that he is from the people of knowledge. So forget the average ignorant person, the common person. There are those who actually claim to be scholars. And you will see them. You will see that they have ijtihad. They have, the, they have striving and effort in worshipping Allah. You will see these people. Meaning the scholars amongst them, let alone the common people. That when some hardship comes to them, when some calamity comes to them, they will start making istighatha. They will start asking for rescue. Asking for protection. Asking for help. From the likes of Ma'roof. Ma'roof al-Karhi. Al- al- the name of a righteous person. Or Abdul Qadir al-Jilani. Or even those who are better than them. The likes of Zayd bin al-Khattab. Zayd bin al-Khattab. He's the brother of Umar bin al-Khattab. Radiyallahu anhu. Or Az-Zubayr bin al-Awwam. From the Sahaba. Or even better and lofty than them. Such as the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, fallahul musta'an. So with Allah is the aid. But even worse than this, even worse than this, is that you will see some of them seeking aid and rescue, not from the righteous people that we mentioned, but from the disbelieving tawagheet, meaning the. Um, the likes of Shamsan and Idris, meaning that even with like the magicians and the soothsayers and the most evil and wretched of people, so leave aside the righteous people, the companions, the prophets, the messengers, and you know those who we know they are righteous. We know that they that they, that they died upon faith and they're righteous, and Allah is pleased with them. Leave aside even them. These people, you see them. Making dua to, seeking rescue from, worshipping the likes of those people, like he mentioned some of those names, Shamsan, Idris. These were known to be disbelieving magicians, sorcerers, soothsayers, uh, you know, people of that nature. And likewise, Al-Ashqar, Yusuf and their likes. These are names of deities who used to be present. Wallahu subhanahu wa ta'ala a'lam. Walhamdulillahi. أولا وآخرا صلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين آمين. So the Sheikh ends here, but the Sheikh Salaf Uzan he comments uh, upon this passage, and he says, from what we mentioned, he says that the disbelief, when you think about it, of the people of our time is greater than that of the very first polytheists. It is greater than the disbelief of Abu Jahl and Abu Lahab and other than them. Why is this? Because those people were more intelligent. They knew that when they were in a calamity or a hardship, they would be sincere to Allah in their worship. They would make their worship only to Allah. Because they knew that no one can relieve them of their hardship except Allah. So ease, they would worship other deities besides Allah. In hardship, in calamity, they would worship only Allah. As for those in our time, as we've explained... When you see them, you'll see this all across the Muslim world. 
a person is in, is in a calamity, a hardship, he has a painful disease, you know, he his car breaks down, he's, you know, whatever else it might be, you, you'll see them, they will call upon, Ya Ali, Madad, they will shout out, or they will say, Ya Abdul Qadir Al-Jilani, or Ya Ghoth, Al-Ghoth Al-A'zam, they say the, the greatest one who aids and helps, they will call out these names. And, this is in a time of hardship and calamity. What is the what is the first people, the first polytheists, they would say, Ya Allah, aid us, help us, because we believe no one besides you can help us in this situation. We abandon our deities, we abandon them, we call only upon you. That's what they used to fall into. As for these people, you will see them. They will, you know, in times of difficulty, calamity, in disease, in pain, in hardship, all of them, they are calling upon these deities, these others besides Allah. They want to be saved from drowning. They want to be saved in an accident. They want to be saved when there is an earthquake. They want to be saved when there is a flood. Right? They want their sustenance to continue. They call upon whoever they call upon. All of this in times of extreme hardship and difficulty in which only Allah is the aider and the supporter and the one who grants relief. So from this you can see clearly to any reasonable person, to any person who, who reflects upon these ayat, he knows, it is evident to him, that this shirk here, and this ignorance, is worse than the ignorance and the shirk of those very first people. And that those people had a better understanding of the tawheed that the messenger called to, than these people present in the contemporary times. They understood it better. And their aql was, was, was present with them more than the aql of these people. So then the shaykh goes on to explain some of these names that you see. That he said that um, you see these people now in times of hardship calling upon ma'roof. Ma'roof here is ma'roof al-qarhi. For he was one, one of the righteous people from Iraq in the times gone past. And he's worshipped. He is now worshipped by the grave worshippers. Likewise, Abdul Qadir al-Jilani. He is an imam from the imams of the Hanbali scholars. And when he died, unfortunately, many of those people, they took him as uh, they started believing that he can benefit and he can harm. And they built something on top of his grave, an edifice. And the Sufis in general, the grave worshippers, they take him as an imam. They refer to him as Al-Ghawth Al-A'zam. Meaning the greatest one who can help and rescue people. This is what they call him. And, you know, and, and so this group, this group of Sufis, Al-Qadiriyya. This is a Sufi tariqah known as the Qadiriyya. This is what they are upon. And he is free and innocent of them. He has nothing to do with them. He is innocent of them. Rahimahullah, he was known to be a righteous person upon istiqamah of knowledge and taqwa. And he was from those who adhered to the madhab of Imam Ahmed, Rahimahullah ta'ala, in aqidah, in usul as well. And so, you know, he has certain books which he has written. So, this is uh, Abdul Qadir, Rahimahullah. And then likewise, Zayd bin al-Khattab, he's a companion. He is the brother of Umar bin al-Khattab, radiyallahu anhu. Um... Unfortunately, he he died in a place called Al-Yamama. 
And in that place, there was a dome that was built afterwards. There was a dome that was built over his grave. And so when Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, when he came and his dawah, you know, with his dawah, he destroyed this uh, dome and it has never been erected since that time. Walhamdulillah. As for Az-Zubair that the Shaykh mentioned, this is Az-Zubair bin al-Awwam. This is a Sahabi, radiyallahu anhu, one of the helpers of the Messenger of Allah sallam. And so these are the these are the awliya, these are the Sahaba, the righteous people whose righteousness we know of. They are worshipped by the grave worshippers. In times of hardship and calamity, something that the very first polytheists were much more intelligent than to fall into it. They were much more, uh, they grasped and understood the tawheed of the messengers for them not to fall into the likes of this in this particular situation. That only Allah provides and rescues and helps in times of calamity. Right? They, were, they understood this. But these people have gone even further than that. Meaning that, that, that they, that alongside the righteous people whose piety we know of and is established, they then went from that and started worshipping the Tawagheet, Al-Kafara, Al-Marada, from the Sahara and the Kahana. They began to worship the, the, the disbelieving, um, you know, uh, rebellious types of people from the magicians. Those magicians, we know that they commit shirk, they worship the jinn, you know, they, they, they commit shirk because that's how they get the assistance of the jinn. Likewise, the fortune tellers who worship, you know, again, who have the assistance of the jinn. And likewise, the al-ibahiyyin, there are those, and, and the, uh, the, the, the hululiyin, there are those who believe, as we said, from those who believe in wahdatul wujud. Right? They believe that everything is Allah. And so therefore, no matter what you worship, you are worshipping Allah. Therefore, the Christian is actually worshipping Allah. He's upon Tawheed. Why? Because he's only worshipping Allah. This is the understanding of Wahdatul Wujud with the extreme Sufis. And the idol worshipper, he's worshipping Allah. He's therefore a Muwahid. Right? Because he's understood that nothing exists except Allah. This is the twisted understanding of Tawheed with some of these people who are worshipped. These evil people who these people worship besides Allah in times of hardship. Right? And they are those, they, amongst them, and also from this belief is that they say that there is no halal and haram. So they say, for example, that because everything is Allah, and nothing exists besides Allah, the concept of halal and haram therefore is meaningless. Therefore, those relations which Allah has prohibited, for example, in terms of zina, for example, or what is halal and what is haram, like for example, eating the flesh of the pig, or drinking wine, for example, or fornicating with those whom it is haram to fornicate with. They say that all of these barriers, all of these Things, al-amr wa nahi, that they are abolished. They are abolished, that they do not exist. Right? So therefore, fornicating with the one whom it is prohibited to fornicate with is permissible. And to eat and drink that which is haram is permissible. And, you know, 
Why? Because of this belief. This belief of wahdatul wujud. Right? So the point being, there are, there are people who are upon this belief, whom these people worship besides Allah. Let alone the prophets and the righteous people whom we know that they are righteous people. So they've gone beyond that and they worship the worst, most rebellious, most disbelieving of people. Whose beliefs are such that they actually invalidate Islam, invalidate the command and the prohibition. The greatest, in fact, their disbelief is greater than that of the Yahud and the Nasara. Because they, you know, because they did not go to that level. So, from that, you will understand the how serious this affair has gone to, and so you will see, for example, these people, you know, in many places on the earth, like in Egypt, for example, the grave of Ahmed al Badawi, in a place called Tanta in Egypt, two million people every year they go and they travel to this grave. This Ahmed al Badawi was from the you know hardcore Batini, you know you know uh, Sufi type people and you know they, they travel to this grave they traverse the land they traverse the sea they come and they make dua they make istighatha they seek baraka they ask for children they ask for curing of their diseases they ask for removal of poverty they ask for security out of because they live in fear all of these things which are from the greatest of the affairs of the worship of the heart, the worship of the limbs, they are directing it to people like this. Right? And then we wonder why it is that in these lands there is no rizq, there is no provision, or you know, the, the economy you know, is, 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 is bad, and why there is no security. That is the people fear for their lives. Right? So, so, so this is how the rules of Allah operate in His creation. That when the people abandon Tawheed and they worship others besides Allah, then the two things are rizq wal-aman. Wal-am, you see that they, they are withdrawn by Allah Azawajal. So food and provision becomes hard now. And safety that one used to have you feel safe in leaving your home, you feel safe in traveling across the land. Right, this now you start living in fear because it's no longer safe anymore. This is a rule in Allah's creation and it is mentioned in numerous ayat in the Quran as we've explained uh, previously. So at this, we come here to the end of uh, the treaties of, uh, or the comment of what Sheikh Salil Fawzan said. He, he mentions here Shamsan, Idris, Yusuf, that were mentioned in the treaties. These are names of false deities. They used to be in a place uh, around uh, Ar-Riyadh. And when, uh, when the Sheikh, when his da'wah spread, they came to this place and they obviously conquered Ar-Riyadh and they removed and destroyed these idols and others besides them as well. Walhamdulillah, as the Sheikh says. And so this brings us to the end of this treatise uh, in explanation of the Kalima La Ilaha Illallah. So this is a great uh, and mighty treatise for anyone who wishes to understand uh, the reality of the message of the prophets, the reality of the meaning of La ilaha illallah 
It's something that we should understand in the various masail that were raised. Uh, our children should understand this clearly. And, um, uh, you know, with that, I refer you to this treatise, uh, uh, this particular book, if you want to revise this material, Silsilat uh, Sharh al-Rasail, the series and explanation of the Rasail, meaning the treatise of uh, Sheikh al-Islam Muhammad bin al-Wahhab, of Sheikh Salih al-Fawzan. And it's important that, 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 that you revise this and... Um, you know, all the various issues that were raised, because this is a, really is a great uh, a treatise. It has so many benefits and so many uh, important points that, that are in there. So we'll conclude that with that. Walhamdulillah. Wa sallallahu ala anbina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Inshallah ta'ala, we will commence uh, a new topic uh, the next time that we have this lesson. Wa jazakumullahu khayran. Walhamdulillah. If there's any questions you might have on, on, on the topic specifically, uh, since it's the final lesson, then you know you're free to ask any questions, inshallah. If not, then we'll we'll, we'll close the session there, inshallah. But it's got to be on the topic. So the, so the question is, uh, to summarize the question, is that some people say that prior to Sheikh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab, this particular understanding that, that's being spoken of in this work and other works regarding intercession, that this is something that we do not find uh, before that, and that he was the first to bring this in the modern era. It is, it is something that he, you know, it, is, it is his own interpretation. This is the gist of what you're saying. And the answer to that, this, this is clearly false uh, and is known uh, to be false. First of all, uh, we find that a few hundred years before him, uh, we see that Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah was dealing with the same issues in his time. And he has a book known as At-Tawassul wal-Wasila, where he wrote at length in relation to this, top, uh, this uh, specific uh, topic. So then, this now, then if you are consistent, you will then say, well, okay, then maybe this was Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah. Maybe he was the first one in the 8th century after Islam to bring this new understanding of, you know, uh, of rejecting shafa'ah and what they refer to as tawassal and so on and so forth. And then when we go back and we survey the various books, we see that no, this is false. Because you will find in the books of those scholars who came before him, such as uh, Ibn Aqil, Ibn Aqil the Hanbali jurist, you will find that in his works he alludes to this practice that, that started to appear in that time. Because remember, shirk in this ummah 
it originated around the 3rd and the 4th century Hijrah. Right? Because this was the the worst deviation. You know, the deviations started small and then they got worse and worse and worse until the greatest deviation, which is shirk with Allah, it appeared in the 4th century after uh, after Islam, 4th century Hijrah. So in that 4th century Hijrah, due to the influence of the of the Shia, the Batiniya, the Shia, and they began to uh, promote attachment to the dead, and specifically attachment to the likes of Ali and Fatima and Al-Hasan and Al-Hussein, radiyallahu anhumad ahlul bayt, in Egypt, right? They're the first ones who began to attach the people to uh, the, 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 this whole idea of grave worship and saints and so on and so forth. And from them, it then spread to other people, to the Sufis, whatever else. But the point being that in the fourth, third and fourth, fourth century, meaning 300s and 400s, this is a time when it began to spread. So around that time in the fourth and the fifth century, and the sixth century, meaning the 400s and the 500s, is when you start seeing that in the written works of the scholars, they start alluding to these practices that, that have appeared now of people going to the graves and soliciting help from them and making dua to. This is what Ibn Aqil he mentions in his, uh, you know, in, in, in some of his writings. And even Ar Razi, Fakhruddin Ar Razi, he is, you know, he you know that he's from Ahlul Kalam, he's from the Mutakallimin. And in his works, you will find that he writes about this very thing of people going to the graves and seeking intercession and so on and so forth. This has become a widespread practice in his time. And Ar Razi, he was, you know, he passed away at the beginning of the seventh century, meaning six hundred and something. Right, so he lived at the end of the sixth century in the five hundreds, and he died at, in the early six six uh, hundreds, meaning the seventh century. Right, all of these are before Sheikh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah by at least 100, 120, 130 years. Right, and they began to uh, write about this in their time. So this idea that this is a new understanding of Islam, uh, you know, is clearly false. The historical record. Just the historical record, just by history, it is known to be false. But then, greater than that, is that the Qur'an is very apparent. When a person reads the Qur'an, this meaning is so apparent and clear in the Qur'an. How can this be something that is, you know, that, that is missed? Rather, it is, it is in the Qur'an, it has always been in the Qur'an. But the people have obviously... Astray, gone astray from the correct understanding of the Quran. Now, th- this is just in brief to address that uh, particular doubt. If you want to see this in much more detail, I suggest you go to uh, the website tawheedfirst.com. T A W H I D first.com, where the evidences for what I've said are explained in detail. For example, Fakhruddin al Razi. You know, how can someone say he's a Wahhabi? Because, you know, he, he was, first of all, four or five hundred years before Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab, ever, 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 ever turned up. He's before Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah. You will see that in his tafsir book, there are numerous passages in which you will find an identical understanding to what you find in the book of Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab, Kashf al-Shubuhat. I guarantee you that. Because so I translated all those statements, put them together, and when you read them, and you read the opening passage of Kashf al-Shubuhat, 
of Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Wahab, I guarantee you, you'll not be able to tell the difference in meaning. It's exactly the same thing. And what's the difference in this? Sorry? What's the difference between the first one, uh, the works of uh, Ar-Razi? As in, I'm saying that if you look at what Ar-Razi wrote... Huh? Oh, time. Yeah, time, time, time. Six or six okay. is Ar Razi. Yeah. Six or six. Sheikh Islam ibn Taymiyyah is 728. Okay. And Sheikh Islam Muhammad ibn Wahhab, then he is in the 12th century of, you know, of Islam, that is. Right? 12th century. So the difference, therefore, is almost 500, 600 years. Right? So as I said, if you if you if you go to tawheedfirst.com, there are six or seven articles, all of which are translations from passages from Fakhruddin Ar Razi, his explanation of the Quran. If you were to read those statements, and then you were to go and read the first two or three pages of Kashfu Shubuhat of Shaykh Islam Muhammad ibn Wahhab you would not be able to tell the difference in meaning. Because the meaning is exactly the same. Right? So this shows, this is a clear proof, that this understanding is not an innovated understanding. And in fact, if you go even right to, to Al-Baqilani, Al-Baqilani is an Ash'ari scholar. He died in the 5th century Hijrah, meaning in the 400s, early 400s. Right? He actually has a reference to, uh, he has statements that refer to Tawheed. In essence, it is, uh, you know, Tawheed al Ibadah, Tawheed al Rububiyah, meaning the same understanding of Tawheed that we understand. You will find it written, I don't have this quote with me right now, um, but you will find that he has a statement that is similar to what we are discussing in the books of uh, Shaykh al Islam ibn Taymiyyah. And likewise, Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad ibn al meaning this issue of Tawheed, that there is Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, and there is Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah. So from all these angles, this, this is not something that Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab, that he, that he, that, you know, that he innovated as they claim. Let me see if I can find... This statement from uh, Al-Baqilani. Okay, here we are.
Sahih, he says, this is Al-Baqilani, and so he is a, a very important Ash'ari scholar, and um, he passed away in 403 Hijrah. <clears throat> so in his book, he says, Wal-Iman, Wal-Iman Billahi Ta'ala, Faith in Allah, Yatadamman At-Tawheed Lahu Subhanah. Faith in Allah, the Most High, comprises the Tawheed, His Tawheed, Subhanah. Then he goes on to explain, what Tawheed Lahu huwa al-Iqrar bi-annahu thabitun mawjudun wa ilahun wahidun fardun ma'budun. And the Tawheed, his Tawheed is that you affirm that he, is, that he exists, that he is one deity, single, unique, the one who is worshipped, the, you know, the, the deity. So this is a general statement, but something even more clear is what comes uh, later, is that he says, here we are, it is obligatory to know that the creator of the, the universe is one. وَمَعْنَ ذَلِكْ أَنَّ أَنَّهُ لَيْسَ مَعَهُ إِلَاهٌ سِوَاهٌ That the Creator is only one, and the meaning of this is that there is there is no ilah besides Him. وَلَا مَنْ يَسْتَحِقَ الْعِبَادَ إِلَّا إِيَاهُ And that no one is deserving of worship except Him alone. Right? And this is the meaning of the kalima, la ilaha illallah. And so he says, وَنُرِيدُ بِذَلِكَ He continues, أَنَّ لَيْسَ مَعَهُ مَنْ يَسْتَحِقَ الْإِلَهِيَ سِوَاهُ وَمَعْنَاهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Basically you can see that what he's explaining is that we intend by this that there is no one who deserves uluhiyya besides him. And this uluhiyya is one, meaning al-ibadah, man yastahiqul ibadah. This is the very same thing, same thing that Ibn Taymiyyah is speaking of, Sheikh Islam al-Wahhab is speaking of, right? It is the issue of who deserves to be worshipped, and the various forms and types of worship. They belong only to Allah. This here is being explained by al-Baqilani. So the point being that, in that time, the issue of shirk and worshipping others besides Allah never became widespread. Like it did at the time of Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah. And like it did after in the time of Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab. So you will not find a great deal of speech from those early scholars because it wasn't present. But when it started appearing in the 5th and the 6th and the 7th centuries, you start seeing in the writings of Ibn Aqil, and likewise, uh, Fakhridin al-Razi, and then after him, Shaykh Zabi ibn Taymiyyah, when it became you know, worse, right? That's when you start seeing this Tawheed uh, being, being explained. So that, that's the answer to that, uh, to that statement. That statement is false. He, you know, uh, he never brought anything new. Rather, it is clear and apparent in the texts of the book and the sunnah in any case. Allah knows best. Is that again? From that also emanates that the 
here nowadays, but you have Wahhabis, and you have Sunnis. Sunnis, yeah. Well, that's a false. Obviously, the word Wahhabis is, is a derogatory label by which they mean to say that the Wahhabis are a innovated new group um, who oppose the Sunnis. And this is false because there is nothing that Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab brought that is outside of the four schools, the Hanafi, Maliki, Shafi'i and Hanbali madhabs. There's nothing outside, nothing what he brought is outside of those schools. Rather, he only brought what all of them are unanimously agreed upon. Meaning his call, his da'wah, was only on the basis of whatever all of these schools are actually unanimously agreed upon. And that's why it's amazing that you should, you should, you should see one of the most false and evil arguments that is brought is that Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Wahhab that he brought takfir into the ummah that he spread the doctrine of takfir of expelling Muslims from Islam this is from the greatest of, of oppressions and lies and injustice because if you look at those who came if you, if you, if you go back and you look at the, the books of the Hanafis the books of the Malikis especially the books of the Hanafis you will see in them the greatest of exaggeration in the affairs of takfir. Right? If you look into the, the writings that deal with, you know, uh, the, the, the mukaffirat, things which expel a person from Islam, you will find that they have books amongst the Hanafis that list, for example, you know, 50 or 100 or 200 or 500 mukaffirat. Right? Things that expel you from Islam. And some of them are just very, you know, ridiculous things that they include as something that would entail disbelief. Right? So the Hanafis, you find that amongst them they have the, the greatest exaggeration in, in the affairs of things which expel you from Islam. Then you'll find something similar but not to the same level in the other schools of thought. Right? When Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad bin al-Ruha, when he came, he restricted everything only to ten. Nawaqid al-Islam. And these ten are things that every, all four schools of thought are agreed upon. None of them differ about any of these four. So basically when he came, he restricted takfir to those things which the schools of thought are actually agreed upon. So he restricted the takfir, the excessive takfir of what is found in the books of, like, especially the Hanafis and other than them. Right? So from that angle, this, 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 this claim is purely false. From the second angle, when you say, when you read the Sheikh's works on, you see that basically he excused the ignorant people. He never made takfir of the ignorant people. He said, I mean, there are many, many statements of his and many statements of, of his students and his offspring which establish this point. But the gist of it is that these people, we do not make takfir of them because they don't know. They don't know the reality of the tawheed that the messengers came with. They don't understand it. They've been lied to, they've been misled, they've been misguided. So we do not fight them, we don't make takfir of them. Even those, he says, that those you know, who worship the, the, the tomb of so-and-so or so-and-so, we don't make takfir of them because, because of their jahl, because of their ignorance, and because no one has come to them who has taught them the reality of the tawheed of the messengers. But, he says, the only people we fight 
are those who fight against us, who after it has been made clear to them that this is the Tawheed of the messengers, they fight us on that, you know, against this belief. Right? Those are the people whom we made takfir of, those are the people whom we fight against. Right? So, so this, 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 the whole idea that Shaykh al-Islam came with some new doctrine is completely false. His enemies, they use this derogatory term, the Wahhabis, um, you know, based upon lies, slanders, uh, uh, because of the evil scholars spread these ideas and they influenced a lot of the people in politics, a lot of the common people, they spread lies that these Wahhabis, they, you know, are extreme, they make takfir, they this, that, whatever, all of these are false lies because as Shaykh al-Islam says, he never fought anybody until they first fought him. He never initiated fighting with anyone until after aggression was shown towards him. Right? So these are all there they're in the history books and there's unfortunately so many misconceptions that have been spread and these misconceptions are spread by different groups. You have the Sufis, you have the Shiites, you have the Ba'athists, the Ba'athists are in a modern situation, the Ba'athists, the Iraqis, they spread a lot of propaganda. So the, the Iranians, the Rafida, so many shubahat and doubts which are present, which we have to be, which we have to be aware of. And then in turn you see that the Western academics and the Western, you know, they take a lot of their information from that propaganda. And so their perception there, how they see like the Wahhabis is based upon, you know, centuries of that same propaganda that has come from the extreme Sufis, the Rafida, then, you know, after them from the Ba'athis and the communists in, in, in the last century, you know, in Yemen, in Iraq. You know, so that, 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 that's the reality of the situation. Um, so Allah knows best. Uh, and Alhamdulillah, wa sallallahu ala nabiyya Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. We'll conclude there, inshallah.